Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast more disappointing than two rainouts in opening week. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everybody. And this week, we are talking about opening day. We're going to talk about some of the early outcomes from both the pitching and the hitting, and we're going to talk about some news and notes around the league. If you have an idea for the opening joke, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Well, Ben, we made it. We are here. There are real life baseball games happening. We've got box scores to peruse. We've got performances to wildly overvalue or or wildly uh, <laughs> worry ourselves about. Um, we've got small sample sizes left and right. We're ready to go. This is what this podcast was built for. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Edmonds winning the MVP, right? Is that the, That's right. the hot takes we're coming out with? Uh, yep. I mean, really, if we want to talk about uh, like hyperbolically, let's talk about our pools and going three for three in that game. Uh, was that yesterday? Yeah. Um, three for three and like crushing the ball. Although those were all like hard, solid hits. Um, the home run was a bit majestic, but we'll, we'll take that all day. Still yeah. crush the ball. Um, his stand, am I crazy? And did I, I don't know if I was just like, maybe didn't see him swing enough in spring or just maybe have a small hole in my brain from the past two years or something, but has he j- dramatically changed his stance recently? He looked taller to me. He looked uh, taller and the leg kick, like we yeah. were used to him doing a toe tap, but the, there was like a very dramatic, like Justin Turner style leg kick that I am not remembering. Well, I have to imagine at 42, it's really hard to get down into that uh, deep squat that he used to do. <laughs> I mean, that dude was uh, the thigh muscles, the booty power it took to uh, maintain that squat has to be uh, sort of uh, degraded over the <laughs> over oh, the yeah. time. I, yeah. I, I remember when he was playing for the Cardinals the first time, you know, I'd like just like mess around with the bat and imitate, you know, their, their batting stances. And I think I could do Alberts for like five seconds. And he started feeling that thigh burn. I don't know how yeah. he ever did that at best. Yeah. Like completely his knees, his, his thighs were like parallel to the ground. Yeah. Um, I- impressive. But yeah, I mean, back to the game though, like kind of exactly what we thought he might do. You know, obviously that it's one game of high production, uh, but we had our lefty starter uh, who was pitching well. I think like, obviously, you know, the Royals pitching staff is young. Um, and, uh, Lynch is, is one of those guys, but he struck out seven Cardinals and, and had yeah. good stuff that day. He made a couple of mistakes, but to see Albert go up there and have those at bats was kind of amazing. Yeah. That, um, you know, the home run was awesome, but, um, he had that single where he really stretched out over the plate, kept his balance and just sort of blooped it, uh, into the outfield, like another sort of classic pool holes, um, at bat. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's what we thought he was pretty bad on opening day, uh, against a right-hander. Um, even though it was a finesse right-hander, uh, yeah. like we had discussed, he still, you know, had some struggles. The entire rest of the team had no problem. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it. But, um, uh, you know, pool struggled a little bit. It was a ceremonial start and it was fine. Uh, I, I also, in, in, 
I, I wonder if emotion also like not not that he's going to get up and crush every time, but like he yeah. seems. I think we can all relate to this to some degree. As I've gotten older, I've definitely gotten my edges have softened out and uh, uh, quick to tears or whatever you want to call it. Like a lot I more wonder... than that is softened out. <laughs> Rude. Um, I look great right now. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if, you know, the emotions of the day of being back with yeah. Yachty, being back in St. Louis, I wonder if that played on a little bit too. Not you know, Brubaker's not a, a total slouch, but uh, no. Anyways, it was nice yeah. to like, I felt like a kid, you know, I, I yeah. felt like we were back in, in 2005 or something. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, I was fortunate enough to be at that game. Uh, I know we both had our own hope, home opening experiences. I went to the carnal home opener. First time I've been, I think since 2018, maybe 2017. Uh, it was great. And then you went to the Rockies home opener. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, I think I kind of said this on the last episode of kind of a little bit of a dig at Colorado fans. Uh, it, it's really the only day that, you know, baseball is really a, a big deal out here in Denver, unless the Rockies happen to be making a, a postseason push. That being said, people super duper showed out. Everybody like yeah. all of downtown was crawling. Um, there are very strict laws about open containers in downtown Denver. And that just was being completely ignored by <laughs> the entire city that day. I uh, see people walking around with uh, like open top curs and uh, you could see those blue mountains and the cop. Nobody nice. cared. And the cops were letting it all happen. Um, but yeah, well, we at some uh, point you, you, they, the cops are realizing like, well, we're going to have to arrest everyone or no one. So <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll go with the latter. Uh, and we had, you know, it was a decent game, not a, not a great game. Uh, we got to see KB get his uh, first hit as a Rocky, which is, I don't know, like, I, we, I'm like trying, I, I'm in, in mid mid flight of the mental gymnastics I'm trying to do to get behind Chris Bryant being a, a Rocky, not to mention that I just hate the fact that he's a left fielder. Cause that makes no sense to me. Um, I almost, <laughs> it would make more sense if he was like first base or, or something, but, uh, I, the Rockies are a poorly ran organization, but yeah, other than that, great time. Um, the guy that was sitting, one of the guys that was sitting next to us was, a Rockies fan who I guess he was a Rockies fan. The guy was so drunk. And if you've ever been <laughs> to Coors Field, they have a video board that is like, I mean, it's probably massive. 200 feet wide. It is one of the biggest yeah. I've ever seen. And the guy leans over to me and he taps me on the leg, which I was like, hmm, okay, I guess we're friends now. <laughs> he goes, Hey man, right on the inner thigh, just like <laughs> Wink. he's getting very familiar. Hey man, do you know, you know what the score is? Do you know what inning it is? I'm just like, yeah, man, Dodgers are up. It's, you know, second or it's a third or fourth inning or whatever it was. He's like, oh, man, Rockies really need to pull it together. I'm like, yeah, dude, you've been sitting here watching the game with me the whole time. <laughs> now that's so it, a baseball game experience. It, it, yeah, it's definitely one of those days where I, I felt like I was the only one like watching the, the action. Yeah. But, you know, everybody was out there and having fun and it, it was great. Sitting in the sun. Oh, my God. That that alone was great. Yeah. Well, um, mine was uh, was great. I mean, what what's better than uh, a Cardinal home opener, right? I mean, what's more fun than watching a bunch of old dudes struggle to get out of high-priced convertibles? Uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. Uh, no, seriously, it, it was a very cold day. So I kind of had the opposite of what you were saying. Um, it was 50 degrees and blustery. 
Yeah. Uh, I was in um, the 200 section, uh, right, like first baseline, kind of off the foul pole, basically. Uh, great view of the game, but it was super cold. And, uh, you know, but of course there was probably 100,000 people down and around oh, yeah. the stadium. Uh, it was uh, despite the weather, I mean, it was it was as bumping as you would expect it to be. And everyone was there ready to show up uh, for Yachty and for Pujols and Wayno. They had a really cool ceremony. You know, they did all the things that you think of the Clydesdales. They had, uh, you know, the guys come out in, in their convertibles and they did this um, pre uh, ceremony after they introduced all the Cardinal Hall of Famers. They had um, they introduced Wayno and then Albert, and then uh, Yachty. And yeah. they had sort of their own moment, which, again, it's very funny that they are really implying that Wayno is retiring. Um, but I get it. It's the end of, regardless of whether he, he is done or not, it's the end of that era, right? right. He might be a Cardinal for five more years, but we're not <laughs> going to get uh, Yachty and Wayno together. And then, you know, we talked about it last week. They've tacked on Albert onto all of this as well. Right. Cause why the hell not? And, uh, everyone was there, you know, long standing ovations, every moment at that each at bat. It, it was awesome. Uh, I did boo my face off at build a wit. It felt good. I was pretty alone in that moment, but, uh, <laughs> it's still, Ooh. it still felt good. I was a full throated, um, booing. Yes. I hope he heard it. I, 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 uh, I will say at least there wasn't like, crazy cheering for him yeah you know um but not the not the you know hissing and booing that i was hoping for no, but um, you know and there shouldn't be and and i don't i am so annoyed <laughs> with mlb owners still like i am just not getting yeah. over this i was just reading about how the uh, baltimore orioles are asking for like 1.3 billion dollars to update their stadium uh from and a lot of that's coming from the taxpayers Right. You got this yeah. crappy team. You haven't invested in it in years. And now the community is going to give you a billion dollars plus. Yeah. It just, well, we're going to talk about the Reds. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to talk about the Reds and that later on. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, they are. Uh, yeah, we I think we've ranted enough about the owners. Uh, I won't continue right now. Yeah. We're doing that later in the episode. We got plenty of time still to rant about the owners. So uh, it was awesome. And then, I mean, for an opening game. What more could you want? We got a strong six from Wayno. Uh, we got dingers left and right. We got a strike them out, throw them out. Uh, we got Yachty grounding into a double play. We've got Pujols <laughs> grounding into a double play. We've got everything you could possibly want from a Cardinal fan. It was uh, it was a ton of fun. I also had kind of a, a unique experience in that. Um, so I went with my parents who, uh, you know, lifelong Cardinal fans, probably the, the main reason I'm a Cardinal fan. So, no disrespect, but it was very cold, and they left uh, earlier in the game because they could not deal with the with the Ooh. cold. They're getting older, you know. Um, and then my brother and my sister in law, they had their uh, two two and a half year old daughter with them, and they said from the very beginning they weren't going to be able to stay the whole time because of the small child, but they didn't want to miss opening day, so they eventually left. So I found myself about the sixth inning by myself at home opener. <laughs> Uh, and so I, I left our seats and I went down, it, it rained for like 20 seconds, but just enough for, uh, for all the people down in the bottom bowl to get up and scatter. 
So I went down and I I improved my seating significantly uh, for the last few innings. And that eighth inning with the Arenado home run and the Edmund home run, uh, I was right there up front for it, and it was it was awesome. It was a uh, a really good game to to be at, and um, you know just felt good being back at a um, season opener that was able to be full form no restrictions. Um, you know, it just felt like baseball and it was awesome. Well, Nate, while I'm proud of you for sticking out the weather and being such a, a tough, tough man. Um, Thank I you. wish the cops would have bounced you from those new seats because you <laughs> didn't pay for those. Those are unearned. I don't like that. Uh, uh I, you, once it gets into the, uh, sixth inning or later, um, you can, in, you're spending your fan bucks in order to uh, get down really? the lower seats. And I think I have accumulated a lot of fan bucks that have gone unspent over a few years and everyone else abandoned their fan bucks by leaving when there was just a little bit of rain. So I think I did, frankly, I think I deserve a, a, an award for, an award. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, for going down into the rain being there, you know, I'm like Tyler O'Neill. I'm there for the boys. You know, okay? some somebody like you having the confidence that you have in yourself is very inspiring to me. So I'm just yeah. going to take that and say, good job, Nate. And there it is. There was my award. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very jealous. I'll, I'll tell you, like, like I said, you know, and I'll probably say this 75 times this season, but. Love going to the, ba- the the ballpark. Of course, field is a great place to be, but nothing, you know, there's just all the nostalgia and, and, and goodness that's wrapped up into my, my heart with uh, Bush Stadium. For so very jealous of you. It sounds great. I haven't seen the Clydesdales in years and years, but good for you. Sad for me. Yeah, I will tell you um, my sad experience, though, at, at Bush. Uh, so, you know, I'm a nacho guy, right? Oh, that's. Oh, if there's yeah. anything I know about you. <laughs> um, I pretty much every baseball game I go to, I have to get the nachos, nachos supreme, whatever you got, give them to. Oh me. yeah, we had some pulled pork nachos at the uh, Colorado game. Uh, ben Carnitas. and I, I think we both paid for it the next day. <laughs> but yeah, uh, those, car- those are not healthy, but my god, they are delicious. The carnitas nachos. I love yes. it. Um, and so I, I was not going to go to a home opener and not get some nachos. So after I'd been abandoned by my family, I thought, <laughs> you know what? I, this is it. This is the time for me to go get some nachos. I'm going to get a Budweiser and I'm going to get some nachos. Hell I'm yeah. going to be, this is St. Louis, baby. And I went and got in line in the sixth inning. And I know that staffing is a difficult thing right now, uh, but this line was so long. I sat in line watching the game on the little TV Yeah, from the sixth all the way through the seventh. And I shit you not, I was stepping up when they said no more beer sales. Oh my goodness. It's done. And I said, I've been here for like 40 minutes. I'm here. Can I order a beer? And she looked me in the eyes, looked at me in the soul and said, no. 
Wow. I then went on a tangent about fan bucks and how many I've accrued <laughs> over the years, and that got me nothing. So yeah. um, uh, it was very disappointing. I ate my nachos uh, in in a sadder fashion because I did yeah. not have um, an ice cold Budweiser to wash it down. Uh, but you know, I ate those nachos in a in a very nice seat. Uh, yeah. Right up, right by the Cardinal dugout. So you, you truly uh, are a hero. Um, so thank you I for am. your sacrifice. Yeah, my Can, yeah. you know it was uh, you. You brought up something that I, I think that we need to tackle right now, and it's something that I don't understand, but it's true at Coors and it's t- true at Bush Stadium. Why are the TVs inside of the ballpark where you're standing in line? Why are they these little like seventeen inch <laughs> TVs that are like twenty feet off the ground? you're in a billion dollar stadium. Give me 70 inch flat screen so I can actually watch the game. What is that about that? It's like, do you remember that TV that Michael Scott had in that episode of the office where he's like, (laughs) look at my plasma TV. It's like, that is what they have us watching the game on while we're trying to get nachos and beer. That's insane to me. Yeah. You know, I guess I never thought about it, but um, you're right. What a disservice to the fans. Um, I'm here. Show me the game. I mean, I guess they could make the argument that, well, you should just go and watch the game in person and sit and stare at it on TV. But uh, <laughs> I'm shut 40 up. minutes for nachos. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for my cheese. I think that would be like such a tiny investment for the team and it would make me happy. I'm talking to you, yeah. DeWitt. Yeah, uh, we want bigger TVs, DeWitt. Yeah, that's what he needs to spin. Open the DeWallet for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get us to shut up for a, a minute or two. No, I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been better. I mean, I, it was a, it was a small. Yeah, yeah. I sat there with my, um, this dude who had, uh, he was like shorter than me, but his uh, curly hair was like a foot tall. Yeah. So it was, uh, we, we, um, you know, we really bonded over how horrible the line was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it would have been nice if we had, um, you know, something nice to uh, nice to watch the game on. Yeah. Call to action. Let's go. Yeah. All right. That's what we're here for. People solving problems at the ballpark. Hey, you got to put the screws to the owners, man. They're, they're not going to do it for us, right? Uh, hey, with the... In this economy? Come on. Come on. Supply chain. <laughs> uh, open the pipelines. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's go back to baseball. So yeah. we've got four games of, of data here to go off of which is four more games than we had for all the other episodes we're doing. So let's overreact, Ben. Uh, yeah. You know, what are some of our initial takeaways from the first four games? Yeah, I, I think the number one thing to talk about in these early games is Nolan Arenado is possessed by a baseball <laughs> playing demon of some kind. Yes. Um, that he, he's made some deal with somebody. I don't know what's going on, but the man has come out of the gates crushing the ball um you know he's locked in when he's you we, we've all watched it for a year and a, a few days now when he's got his head down on the ball he's getting his arms extended and, and what i've noticed um you know i think if you could pick on anything of, of nolan's uh, 
tendencies the last couple of years. If you go and look at his like kind of launch angle, you one might say that he's kind of popping the ball up a little too high. While we generally mm-hmm. think that's good, getting the ball in the air is good, especially when you're hitting it hard. That usually equals good results. Um, but he was getting a little too under it. And I think what we've seen him now is just blistering line drives, like line drive yeah. home runs from Nolan is something that we should all be very, very excited about. Um, it seems like, and again, I'm overreacting to an extremely small sample size, but seeing that kind of profile, the, the profile, his balls that he's hitting well, or what they're coming out as is got to be hugely encouraging for what we can expect for the rest of this season. Um, that that's my first overreaction so far. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, you know, I, you said he he is uh, popped up the ball more. I think at time his swing looked really long. Um, you know, you could it felt like he was going for that power stroke um, and you know striking out a little bit more. That's how we saw him have the lowest batting average. Right. Uh, of I think it was of his career. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but definitely one of his lowest, if not his lowest. Uh, and he's always been known for. Um, not just home runs, but putting the ball in play and, and sustaining a, a pretty good average for the for the power output that he also brings. Uh, and I think, yeah, it is small sample size and we are overreacting. But for a guy who has such a long track record of success, um, I think you can believe these numbers a little bit more than you might believe someone who it's their second, third year in the league, or maybe they've struggled for longer than someone like Arenado, uh, not that he has struggled, but he just was not the MVP level hitter last year that he has been many times in his career. Um, and you know, the way he's talked about his off season, he also has the new bat thing that Goldie right. is talking about. There's just a lot of things that come together to make you think this is the Arenado that we were, have all, have all known for so long. He's only 30. So it's not like, you know, this is, you know, some sort of like, oh, we think in his 35 year, you know, year he's going to have a bounce back. Like he could very well have one of his best season now. Now, oh yeah, you know, there's the cores stuff that you and I both think is overblown, but it is a, a part of it. So probably his career years are behind him. But we, could, I think we could could see another mega year from from Arenado, and at least from the start, it looks like that's the path we're on. Yeah, and I think like a lot of times when players are talking about new bats and new swing changes and stuff like that, you always take it with a grain of salt. But with somebody at the skill level that Nolan's at, you I don't know, you just buy it a little bit more because he has proven this track record of he can go be super productive. And I don't know, I I just buy it a little bit more. And you know, seeing the res- the early results, like I-, I pulled up his Statcast data. For the early season, he's only got 13 events, meaning 13 times he's hit the ball. And he's already got four barrels. Uh, so, I mean, the guy's just crushing <laughs> yeah. the ball. And that's that's just, you know, that's nothing to be argued with. You know, if you if you barrel a ball, you barrel a ball. And that's that's a right. good thing. Um, yeah, it's 30 over 30 percent barrel rate so far, um, which not is bad. not sustainable. <laughs> that's not going <laughs> to stay that way. Um, no. But something to be excited about. That's real data like that kind of just proves what we're seeing, that he is destroying the baseball right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that I think that's the the clear takeaway. You know, it's funny out of the four games, it started out feeling like, all right, Goldie, like what a crazy opening. You know, what he walked four times uh, in the first game and looked like, you know, he's carrying over his spring success. Um, not 
having quite the the contact that we're seeing from Arenado, but still coming out, I think, looking very good. Yeah, I mean, people just aren't pitching to him right now, and and that's right. that's you know, Goldie's going to be fine with that. He's got an yeah. on base percentage of over four hundred and forty right now, uh, <laughs> and that's going to work for this team, especially yeah. in the two spot. I think that's a big reason why you have him in the two spot, right? He's yeah. going to go up there and grind out a, a really solid at bat every time, and at some point they're going to have to start coming to him. You know, as if Nolan stays hot, you know, Tyler O'Neill's been hitting the ball hard while the. You know, he hasn't got a bunch of results yet. It's still really early, obviously, but they're going to have to start pitching to Goldie or he's going to have a on-base percentage of 450 all year. And either way, that's going to work really well for the Cardinals. Yeah, I did want to touch on O'Neill real quick. Um, you know, still sticking in these small sample sizes, but I think we should be excited about the approach we're seeing from O'Neill already. Um, he has two walks which is a low in quantity, but that's actually an 11% walk rate for his total amount of at-bats, which would be by far a career uh, um, high for him. Uh, But more importantly, he has a 167 batting average on balls in play, which is remarkably low for a guy with his speed. So just a little bit of bad luck as far as placement of of contact here in the first few games. Uh, I'm not worried. If anything, I'm excited. He looks to have brought the same approach that he had all of that success from uh, last year. And we saw that home run in the, uh, was it second inning of the yep. home opener? I mean, that was awesome. So uh, I think uh, Carlson is looking good too. And we're seeing some production from guys like DeYoung, which is looking pretty good. Um, I'm still a little, you know, skept- hesitant to say, you know, that um, DeYoung is back into some sort of, consistent productive yeah. form um, because if anything, he's always been able to still hit home runs. So a home run, you know, in the first week is cool. Um, and it, he did also have an opposite field single, which was nice. So some early signs that he's looking good, but all this to say, like the offense is looking good now. Yeah. It was of course against the Pittsburgh pirates and uh, the Royals. But as you pointed out, it's not like these were horrible pitchers. Brubaker has had some, um, there was some hype around him at times. Lynch, there's been some hype around him at times. So uh, not bottom of the barrel, but also not the best. But hey, the Cardinals have to beat these types of teams and they really need to beat them soundly if they're going to compete against the more difficult teams within the division. And I think all we have is all we have and we should be happy about these early results, the Cardinal offense looks good. Yeah, absolutely. Like the two things that you want out of this, you know, you, we know that they're going to be, the team's going to be pretty fast on the base path paths, which is great. We know they're going to play good defense, which is great. Um, but yeah, they're, they're walking at a decent clip and they're hitting the ball hard. And that's really all we need these guys to do. And you expect everything to kind of click together. Um, but I think, you know, the, the Cardinals offense wasn't super patient last year. They could definitely improve on that. And I think so far, so good. Um, I mean, the results have been good, so you can't really question that, you know, going three and one to start it. Um, but yeah, like you said, you have to kick the crap out of the pirates this year. And the little bit that we play the Royals, you expect to win that too. Just stop pitching to Salvador Perez. (laughs) Yeah. Is he, is Salvi like backing into like a David Ortiz second half of his career? Like I, like, is he just going to DH a bunch and just hit 50 dongs a year? Like I, I did not see this coming at all. Um, I'm yes. 
Yes, I think All right, he ship is. it. Boom. <laughs> Call up Vegas. And, uh, you know, the PED suspension is coming too. So, oh, you know. no, not Salvi. <laughs> no, I'm, I joke. I love Salvador Perez. He has always been one of my favorite uh, players in, in the game. And I'm excited for him and for the Royals with the success that he's had. I do wonder, yeah, what's his, uh, what's he look like as he ages? Um, you know, does he stick behind uh, the plate or do the Royals realize that? Oh shit, he can hit 40 plus bombs. Let's just have him DH for the rest of uh his career with us even though he's known as a as a very good catcher. Um I I don't know. I I probably part of that would be dependent on what other sort of c- catching prospects they're able to bring up um and how competitive they're being because I imagine he wants to catch still. Yeah. Yeah, he's like probably outside of the Hall of Fame track, but definitely somebody who I mean, maybe he ends his career, you know, you know, a better hitter than he started. That's not impossible. We've seen that before, but we'll see what happens. He's definitely a, a uh, you know, a, as a fellow Missouri team, fun to watch and always rooting for Salvi, except for when he's beaten up on the Cardi boys. Yeah, it's uh, I th- it's interesting how much last year did a lot for it. But for for a while now, he's been very revered in baseball yeah. as as one of the best players, one of the best catchers, et cetera. Uh, but when you actually look at him on fan graphs, he has a career 15 war. Yeah. Not, I mean, that's obviously, you know, in a vacuum, that's fantastic. But, um, you know, compared to other players that are talked about as much as him, like that's not that much. Um, so I think he's also just a super cool dude that everyone likes. Right. So that helps. That's the, that's the David Ortiz effect. Exactly. Uh, everyone loves big poppy and, He's kind of over, well, overvalued isn't maybe the right word for it because he was a masher and I will forever hate him for the 2013 World Series. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, everyone loves Big Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. As they I say, think, you know, Big Bobby. Yeah. I, I think you could, like, I think the argument you're getting at is like, he is maybe, you could argue that he's not a slam dunk 100% first ballot Hall of Famer if you just look at his baseball card stats, but when you kind of right. break down the whole thing and the culture, cultural aspect of it, um, and, he's, yeah, the, it he's the it, inverse Kurt Schilling. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It's <laughs> Kurt Schilling probably by numbers should be in the hall of fame, but everyone hates him so much that he's not getting any votes. Well, he's uh, recused himself, Nate. He's not, a, he doesn't want to be a part of the charade you anymore. Can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm taking my ball and going home. It is yeah. just like, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. But uh, Poppy, you know, he, he he was on the edge. I'm not saying it was a bad, uh, you know, inclusion, but he, everyone loves him so much. It was just. I know. would have voted for Poppy if I had a vote. Yeah. yeah, me too. Um, So we've talked about the offense. We've talked about Big Poppy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'll, I'll sprinkle another another person that I, I I think, or I guess another. I'll give it like a co MVP of of this episode with the season starting. I'm going to say Wayno and Woodford were probably the other two yeah. standouts on the on the pitching side. Um, you know, I, I think maybe this podcast is a little too afraid of the eventual Wayno breakdown. Maybe he's going to be totally fine and like you know he's going to have a staring contest with Justin Verlander on who's going to retire first, and they'll yeah. they'll both keep playing. Um, but how great was it to see the, him come out, be super effective, have a great game, six innings. That's Cardinals bullpen definitely needed that. Um, you know, no, no complaints here. Yeah. I mean, it was 
vintage Wayno, as they say, six strikeouts too. Again, Pirates lineup, but hey, six strikeouts, you'll take them. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think we'll see a 9K per nine that much from Wayno this this year. That's not what he's even really trying to do at this point. Um, but yeah, he looked great. Uh, I I'm continue to be astounded by the Adam Wainwright resurgence. It is incredible. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and Woodford looked good. Um, I thought it was funny. Once again, we uh, released an episode, spent some time talking about the uh, fifth rotation spot, and like within an hour of us finishing recording, <laughs> yeah, the Cardinals yeah. announced that Hicks was going to be the fifth starter, which I said on, we did the episode a couple of weeks ago with Meet Me at Mutual with uh, C70. I said like all things aside, all health, everything aside, Hicks would be my preferred pick for the fifth rotation spot. But we pretty much didn't talk about it at all on this show because, uh, I mean, the last thing we'd heard about Hicks was how neat it was to have 104 miles per hour out of the bullpen, right? So at least this felt like it came out of nowhere, but um, really excited about it. I, I, I really think that this is the right move. And I, I like that they're naming him the starter yep. and they're going to be building him up in that role now it got a little mixed up with the rain outs and whatever but whatever well it, it seems it, like they're prioritizing his schedule above anything right. else whether how it works for the team how it works with the rotation they're having him pitch every whatever it's either fifth or sixth day and i think they're prioritizing health um which makes all of the sense in the world and yeah i think we kind of learned that uh you know, Ali Marmal might say, yeah, that sounds great. Of course, 104 out of the bullpen, but might have other plans going on. <laughs> um, he, it seems like he, he's going to share maybe what he's thinking and then maybe go do what him and the organization think is right for the player, or the team or whatever. But that was pretty funny that I think we both were like, OK, Ali said this. We're going that way. Yeah. Well, and, and you're right. You know, he was responding to the question, which was like, how fun is it to have Hicks in the bullpen or whatever? And so, you know, I guess with context, what's he going to do? Be like, well, I don't know. Maybe there's something else <laughs> going on, you know, and like twist yeah. his mustache. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I get it in hindsight, you can see why he could have that answer and also know that Hicks is probably going to be the, the fifth starter, but either way, it totally threw us off. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, I'm very excited about it. He looked good in his two innings. Um, and I, I'm, I, I think it's the best path for him. I think it's the right spot for him. It does make a little bit more sense, uh, for why the Cardinals, if you've believed Hicks to be a, a starter from the beginning of spring training, um, then that is another person in the, from the, from the front office's perspective as a starting pitcher that yeah. they want to get innings. And I still, I don't think that this is the right move. You and I both still think they need to go and get more starting pitching, but you do, it does make a little bit more sense that they view Hicks as the fifth starter. You get Flaherty back hopefully soon. And then you also have guys like Woodford who has looked good now for a while. And um, even like Verhagen, uh, you see why they may believe that they have depth. We want more quality, more more yeah. locked in quality depth, but it does make a little bit more sense to me when you consider that they think Hicks is for sure a starter. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think as Cardinal fans, we're all kind of sitting here wondering, okay, that's great. How healthy is Hicks going to be this year? Does Hicks have a third pitch that he's ever going to show us? Is he going to be a two pitch pitcher starter? Um, which by the way, might work. You know, I, I was actually going through some of the video from his uh, two innings earlier today, and he got two guys out on fastballs that were right down the middle, and they just drove them into the ground really, really yeah. hard. The guy does have the kind of stuff where maybe he can be a two pitch pitcher. I know that you know, read some scattering reports. He is a a changeup that might be plus. Uh, there's a curveball that might be in the mix too. So I'd be very curious to see how that all plays out. But yeah, to just to double what you said. All that sounds great, but man, oh man, another starting pitcher would be really, really great for the Cardinals right now. Um, yes, especially you know we had yeah, we can sing the praises of Wainwright, but Dak Hud had a, a troubled start, Miles yes. had a troubled start, and Stephen Matz had a really troubled start. Yep, yeah, it was. Uh, there's a lot to be happy about with this first four days because of how they pummeled bad teams. Uh, but some of those games were uh, closer than you would want. And also they did get pummeled in one of them themselves. Yeah. Uh, so I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about the, the, the Matt's start. So, um, you know, what's your, what's your take on that? We, we know that he had uh, a blister. Is that everything? Right. Is that it? Or is there, is there more to it? Well, yeah, I, I was curious because, you know, the blister, that's definitely, obviously that affects players. And, and I was curious. So I, I kind of wanted to dig in, especially the two for the first two innings, he looked really great. Um, and then it all just kind of fell apart. And of course that could be health. That could be many things, but I, but I was curious. So I, I wanted to dig into the stat cast data a little bit. Shout out baseball savant for, um, uh, being awesome and having all that stuff super available. Um, yes. So the first thing I went to look at is, okay, you would think that if somebody's dealing with a, splis, a blister, they're not able to grip the ball as well. Let's look at spin rate. Spin rate for all of his pitches was pretty consistent. He actually, his sinker was humming in the third inning, the inning that he uh, got blown up on. Um, his, his spin rate on the sinker was actually better than when he started the game. <laughs> um, and the other pitchers were sitting around, uh, around that. So uh, yeah, I, I dug in a little bit deeper and try to find out what was going on here. And what I found was... Uh, the good news is he had a really high whiff rate that game. Uh, people were swinging and missing a lot. He was sitting at 32% whiff rate during that short start, uh, which is good. We say, yay. Yeah. Uh, that puts him in the same area as pitchers like Carlos Rodon, Will Smith, uh, the closer, um, not the Hollywood celebrity or the catcher, um, and TJ Antone. Those are, you know, I picked those three guys because they're all guys that I think, you know, they go out and get strikeouts. Uh, Rodon had a ridiculous start the other day, and those <laughs> other two are relief aces. Um, so that's good. Uh, he threw 33 sinkers, which got a lot of relative weak contact. Nobody hit the ball, the, his sinker, over 85 miles per hour. Uh, 95 miles per hour plus exit velo is considered hard hit. So it's getting medium contact. You can imagine the Cardinals defense can gobble those kinds of things up. Uh, he also threw 15 sliders in that start. Uh, those were also almost all hit with medium uh, contact and basically right uh, into the ground. So that's great. Mm -hmm. So what went wrong? And, yeah, uh, like, this sounds great. <laughs> all right. Know. Yeah, that is all good. Um, so what went wrong? He threw his curveball 11 times. People only swung at it six times and they crushed it. Average okay. exit velo off the curveball was 103 miles per hour. Uh, which is scary. That seems that seems bad. That is very bad. 
Average uh, his, 103. Yeah. Uh, his okay. changeup was also not playing. Uh, he threw 16 of those babies. People only swung at five, and three of those were crushed at over 100 miles per hour. So his changeup just, he was trying and trying and trying, and it just, it either wasn't coming out of the hand well, people were recognizing it, but people were not swinging and missing uh, at all. So, so it's those downward movement pitches that. Right. We're not, was it, can you, can you tell, were they not breaking like they should and just hanging or, uh, so they had, yeah, their, their movement and spin rate were consistent with, uh, his historical numbers. But what I thought was interesting is like looking at his change up over the past five years, it's actually been a plus pitch. It's been one of his better pitches outside of his sinker. So I, I think kind of what we can just gleam off this is that, people knew uh, or or were looking for pitches because what was happening was his curveball was getting crushed so bad. People were driving his sinker and slider into the ground, which was good. So they were, I think, recognize trying to just sit on the changeup. They obviously they had a different game plan when they came in. Um, So I'm hoping it was just an off day for his changeup and we can expect that to get better. Uh, Like I said, according to Fangraph's pitch values, it was his best pitch last year. The Hmm. bad news, though, is the curveball hasn't been getting guys out since 2015 um, in his early Mets days. Um, It has been his worst pitch by pitch values by quite a bit. uh, And that's just the case. So I wonder if that is something that the Cardinals are going to recognize and they're going to move away from that pitch. Um, My recommendation, being obviously a very smart pitching coach and and knowing everything about baseball, is I would throw that pitch like two to five times a, a game and just kind of keep that in the back pocket, use that as a trick pitch. But like I said, it has not gotten guys or had a positive pitch value since 2015. And that was the first year he was really a starter for the Mets. And it's pretty much been bad since then. So to try to distill all that, um, that fun information, uh, I think sinker and slider are good. The changeup has been historically good. Maybe it was just an off day. Maybe, you know, part of that, the issue with the with the blister was that he was missing location with it. But all the pitches were playing as we expect them all to. And, and I think you can kind of back that up with, you know, what I started this conversation with the 32% whiff rate. When he was throwing his pitches well, people were missing them, missing them at a higher rate than they normally do, actually. So I, I almost wonder, was it, you know, he was gripping the hell out of his pitches. He was amped up for his first Cardinals opening day start. And that led to the, to the, uh, uh, to the blister. I mean, who knows, but I do think there's good. We have some good data here. We have some bad data here. Hopefully he changes his picks, Mitch, picks, Mitch, pitch mix up a bit, picks, Mitch. And, uh, <laughs> that curveball. Maybe maybe we step away from that curveball. I, I think Take that's a really the thing to the, say. Yeah, I think he should partner with Wayno and develop an Ephus and just give like <laughs> a straight up different look. You know, if you're gonna throw a curveball, let's really make it a curveball. Get that thing down to sixty miles per hour, uh, six foot vertical break. That's what I'm talking about right there. End of rookie of the year style curveball. You know what I'm talking <laughs> there you about. Go. Uh, yeah, that's all interesting. I mean, I think. I guess to me, the takeaway there is let's not overreact. Um, he, a lot was working. He failed on a handful of pitches, but when, when they failed, they failed big. And yes. so, and I guess the, the, the real shining or the real, uh, you know, glass is half full view on it would be where he struggled is the thing that he is typically the best at. 
So you could expect some sort of rebound more quickly than maybe something else. You know, if yeah, it, outside I, of the curveball, but the, the changeup, yeah. if that was a struggle, like, you know, you'd, you'd expect him to be able to return to what he was able to do in the past more quickly. Yeah, I kind of read that as, you know, obviously they're having success with the other two pitches and they were, him and Yachty were trying to get that change up to be where it needs to be. And he's just, you know, every pitcher has one of those days where it's one, two, or all their pitches are just not going where they want them to go. And a lot of times, you know, they always, they say the starter is settled in, you know, I'm sure Yachty and Matts were thinking, okay, we're going to get to this third inning, this fourth inning. And I'm going to find the grip for my changeup. Unfortunately, the Pirates were just not missing those, uh, yeah. m- missing those mistakes. They were hitting them with a hundred plus exit velo. And you know, when when you start hitting the ball that hard, it goes south for the pitcher pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, even well, if yeah. you have I mean, a Gold it, Glove defense, it blew up quickly, right? Like it was, even if he was able to correct, like the damage was done pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Okay. Well. um, you know, I was always surprised that you quit your job as the head pitching coach for the Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies and uh, came back to this podcast. So thank you for the the research. That's very interesting. Honestly, you're joking. But if you look at the Phillies pitching staff, that would make a lot of sense that I was the, uh, <laughs> the pitching coordinator, pitching coach. So. Yeah. Uh, team full of DHs and uh, mediocre pitching. We'll see where it Man, goes. Man, they are. That is all bearing out, too. I know it's only been a few games, but they are exactly what they we thought they were. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I think uh, I like to see these teams go all in on like one. Sure. Thing. You, you know. see Alec Bohm say he hates this place or something like that. <laughs> no. He made, he made three airs in three consecutive innings, and then the camera caught him saying, I hate this place or, or something to that effect. And nice. then had to had to go on TV later and own up to it and apologize. And then he got a standing ovation as next at bat. So, you know, Philly, Philly's going to be Philly fun fans, this year. The Philly fans are like, we hate this place too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, well, we got some, um, you know, some encouraging news from Flaherty. I think you and I have both been like, who knows when he'll be back. It could be months. Um, but he's uh, cleared to throw um, and he's traveling with the team, which is usually a good sign that it's not horrible. You know, they don't send the guys around with the team if they're um, like on a long form rehab. So, um, you know, I think we're going to need him either just some sort of six man rotation to let some of these guys work out their, um, you know, work out the length that they need. You know, we're seeing most, Guys across the league only going sixty to eighty pitches in a game. Um, right. You know, th- we expect that to to evolve, but still, um, you know, we'll be happy when Flaherty is back. Um, what else? Any other um, notes or any other things from the first four games that you want to talk about? No, I think you know I'd like to see uh, Harrison uh, settle in a little bit, but I think other than that, the team's looking good. Surprised by how little uh, Corey Dickerson used in the early going. Um, yeah. but you know, obviously I, I think Albert's going to get Ali Marmol even said it, you know, um, he feels like number five should be out there for the fans right now. So I think, you know, that's easy to do when the, the offense is humming along. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see how that kind of plays out. And, you know, obviously as the season go on, goes on what the DH position looks like. Um, yeah, yeah, no, other than that, I, oh, I will just say really quickly that, uh, my two, uh, young guy picks for our, uh, our draft last week. 
Uh, Brendan Donovan is having an insane time in AAA right now in a very limited time, uh, as is Alec Burleson. Um, so just, you know, yeah. r- rub that into, on you a little bit. Uh, well, Gorman is also crushing at yeah, minor yeah, leagues. Yeah. And also, I've got Arenado. So, I know. Um, and and uh, Carlson, who's looked good also. Um, my last note that I wanted to call out, we, we mentioned um, the... I think it was last episode that um, Yachty is on board with taking a step back and playing yep. time this year. Everyone, you know, he, the Cardinals have said it for years. I think this is one of the first times we've heard Yachty himself say it. And what really stood out to me is that uh, there was a, a game postponed because of the rain delay. And then Kisner still got the start on the day after that, which I don't remember the last time something like that would have happened, especially this early in the season. Uh, so that stood out to me as a moment of, oh, they actually are giving Yachty more time off. He just had two days off in a row in the first week of the season. Like I can, I cannot remember a time that has happened. And Kisner, absolute jack in that yeah. game. I mean, he hit it and he did a, I think he was like practicing off of watching Pujols. You know, when Pujols gets a hold of one and he kind of does that strut for the first oh, like yeah. three or four steps, I swear Kisner was doing his best Pujols impression. And uh, I mean, he knew it off the bat. Everyone did. What a bomb. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about this, but you hope it makes a better Kinzer and you hope it makes a better Yadier Molina. And we look up and we're actually getting really solid production um, from the catcher position. Although uh, I know the fan graphs, uh, the Zips projections are really not expecting that to happen. <laughs> no, but the thing is, is, you know, I, I don't think anybody can sit here and confidently say or, or tell you what's going to work. What the Cardinals are going to get from Andrew Kisner. So I'm, yeah, I hope that it keeps going this way. And I hope we get an answer to that question, whether it be good, bad, or, you know, in the middle. Um, but yeah. I think Cardinals fans are, are all ready for all of this to happen. Well, zips just uses, uh, you know, actual at bats from previous seasons and Kisner has had so few and right. such sporadic playing time. I don't know how you can adequately project someone like him. Um, he was pretty good in the minors. You know, at one point he was a pretty well-regarded catching prospect and then he just fell into the black hole of being behind, uh, uh, Yachty. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I look forward to seeing more for him. I mean, most likely he is the starting catcher next year. Uh, there's the, uh, very highly regarded prospect Herrera in the minors, but I don't think he projects to be ready by next year. So, uh, Kisner is, and unless something changes, uh, he's most likely the starting catcher next year. So yeah, yeah, at least part of the catching solution. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think that'll wrap most of our conversation on the first four games of the Cardinal season. <laughs> uh, but uh, just so excited to have actual content to 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 talk about actual baseball games to talk about. Uh, feeling good about this first week of baseball. Hopefully, this next week. It stops raining as much. We're recording right now in the middle of the storm that canceled today's game. Um, I'm just hoping that my house doesn't get knocked over. Uh, <laughs> but I have Ben has promised that if um, if I get crushed to death while we're recording, he will release the episode and also the video. So yeah, the show um, will go on. You know, yep. Nate isn't really relevant to the future of this show, so we'll be fine either way. Not no, you know, next man up. You know, that's what we do here at Talking <laughs> About Birds. Happy uh, you're still open to that. Yep. Um, speaking of next man up, 
Uh, if you like the show and want to support it, we are supported by Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, we are slowly but surely building a fantastic community within the discord that you get access to. If you join the Patreon, it's a great way to connect with us, uh, and connect with other fans of the Cardinals and help support the, the production and creation of this show. If uh, you can't join the Discord, uh, can't join the Patreon, um, we would really appreciate you reviewing the show on whatever podcast platform you use. Uh, It really helps us showing up in search results and whatnot. Um, Ben, where can people find us online? Yeah, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TalkAboutBirds. Obviously, we're getting excited, especially as games are coming on live, tweeting those, chatting with everybody. just catching up with the baseball world. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Instagram at talking about birds. Um, obviously, you know, give us a poke and a like over there. Watch our stories, all that good stuff. If you have any questions for us or the podcast, you can email us at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. You know, as I've been saying, ask Nate personal questions. Really leave me out of it, though. Uh, just pick on Nate. Why, <laughs> he's wearing a blue shirt today. Not very Cardinals. Ask him about his clothing choices. Um Oh, and uh, don't forget, we're also uh, on all podcast platforms and Spotify. If you prefer to use Spotify, check us out there. Follow us, download us, all of that good stuff. I'm not going to take the bait, Ben. Okay. Yes, it's a blue shirt, but uh, the Cardinals wear blue sometimes. How's that? Okay. It's not the same blue, though. That's not victory blue. That's just (laughs) shitty blue. Uh, no, it's a fine shirt. That's the I'd majority. Like to shout of my... out, I know nobody can see this, so I'd like to shout out. I'm wearing my Montgomery Biscuit shirt today. Let's go! Yeah, best uh, nice. best minor league team in the uh, <laughs> at least team name. The Biscuits. Yeah, I wish yeah, we did. Uh, the mascot's I wish so that, cute. Um, it'd be awesome if Major League Baseball had a relegation system like uh, Premier League soccer oh so yeah like get, how the like, orioles would be a triple a team by now yeah and you'd get a rotation in of these like absolutely absurd <laughs> uh minor league names that i love you know imagine the montgomery biscuits being a, a major league team <laughs> i would love the biscuits i'd buy more i'd buy more clothing from them i uh, i ordered i've not received it yet but uh for april fool's day the uh, stl city the the soccer team that mm-hmm. is uh, starting up here in St. Louis, the MLS team, uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, they did on April Fool's Day, they did a shirt that was called, uh, that, that basically um, said that they, their team name is now Ravioli Boys. <laughs> That's good. That's a better name than City. Right. And so I, uh, they had a one day chance where you could order a Ravioli Boys t shirt. And uh, you know, I ordered a Ravioli yeah. Boys t shirt because I am a Ravioli good. Boy. Yes, it's you nice are. to see yourself, you know, represented in, in sports sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> cool. Uh, you know, most of those uh, April Fool's jokes from, you know, all of our favorite brands. We love getting goofed by brands, you know. Uh, I just most love of them brands. Are, yeah, I love brands too. Who doesn't love a brand? Uh, most of them are <laughs> stupid or obnoxious, but this was the one I was like, all right, STL City, you got me. I'm buying your shirt. Cause Yeah, no, that's that's um, very good. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's talk a little bit more broadly now about um the the league as a whole. 
we've got a bunch of interesting things uh, happening around the league. Ben, what, what's the first thing you want to talk about? Yeah, you know, I, I like bagging on the Yankees. That's always fun. Let's talk about Aaron Judge. He declined a offer reported by Cashman himself, which is such a, uh, we just don't ever see this happen where a GM goes, hey, we offered Aaron Judge seven years, $213.5 million, and he said no. Uh, you can go ask Aaron Judge about this. Like, we just never see that. So I'm kind of happy about that, even though it is kind of a weird way to handle this, especially if, you know, Aaron Judge is arguably the face of the Yankees. I th- He's the face over Garrett Cole, right? Uh, you'd give him that yes. designation? Yeah. 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 So it's kind of a weird way to be like, hey, guys, we offered him a lot of money. Um, it's you know the guy that you everyone likes a whole bunch and you're all buying his jerseys and you have the section in the outfield dedicated to him he's kind of being a bit of a dick so i'm going <laughs> to pass this to him um so i find that interesting but i what i find more interesting is that he said no um 7 years and 213 million dollars is a lot of money aaron yeah. judge well, has I mean, like rarely played a full season also he's yeah. 30 i don't think he's going to age very well I think this is a really weird move by Aaron Judge. It almost makes me think he wants to get out of New York without saying, I want to get out of New York. I can't imagine why, though. Like, despite all of his issues, he's still very revered on that team. You know, it's not like he is booed every time he's at bat. Like, Yankees fans, you know, have a bit of a reputation, and he seems to have withstood all of the problems that you would expect. Like, Stanton has not received that same sort of right. um uh you know fan opinion for virtually the same problem you know they are very similar players um but uh i i assume that's why cashman did it he's like i want everyone to know this is not on us we made him a really really good offer that would have paid him over 30 million dollars a year which i think is more than he probably should have gotten. And I'd be surprised if he gets more than that going into free agency at 31 or, or maybe he'll still be 30, but like, you know, I guess if he has a monster season this year, stays healthy the whole year, you you know, is close to MVP caliber. Someone might take that shot on him, but um, the market has really moved away from paying these 30 plus year old dudes uh, significant money. The guys that are getting that type of money are the 26 and 27 year olds that are hitting free agency. And that's, that's what, that what I find so bizarre about this. It's like the two teams that you would, you know, definitely be like, okay, they're going to go settle up and, and pay judges, the Dodgers and the Yankees. The Yankees mm-hmm. just made their offer. I'm not sure if the Dodgers are going to sign another $200 million player next off season, unless it's Trey Turner. I don't right. know where he's getting this money from unless it's some type of weird deal like with Carlos Correa and the twins. But yeah, I just, if he wasn't so injured all the time and and if there weren't all these, you know, kind of anecdotal worries about his body type and everything like that, I would say, yeah, go get paid, dude. I'm just surprised. Like uh, just go back to the fact that if somebody ever sat me down and offered me $200 million, I'd sign that (laughs) pretty much no matter what the stipulations were. So, well, yeah. A little just shocked by that. I guess we'll, you know, we'll find out in six months if he's going to get, if he's going to dunk on that or not. But I would say if I had to put money on it right now, I would say no, he probably doesn't. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a, a bad choice by Judge. And I think that's why the Yankees 
uh, are calling him out. Like, and I, and I think like, I'm not seeing much backlash from the Yankees fan base about not signing, not extending judge because I think that was a crazy good offer considering his, um, his output and how you expect a guy like him to age. You don't see a lot of, what is he six, seven or whatever? Like you don't see a lot of dudes like that. Um, you know, maintaining a lot of ability in the field at age 36 or age 37. So they're kind of locking in, like paying their DH that much money in, in a few years. Yeah. Six, seven, 282 pounds. Yeah. Maybe he thinks that, uh, Artie Moreno, he's, you know, he's a California guy. Maybe he thinks Artie Moreno is going to do that thing where he does every few years where he just pays somebody an insane amount of money. That would be, um, yeah, I mean, maybe, Join Maybe, uh, right? Rendon and 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 uh, uh, what Pujols and Josh Hamilton, you know, all these guys who yeah. went out there for overprice. Yeah, yeah. Just if it was like twenty six or twenty seven million or something like that, I'd be a little bit more like, well, that's maybe a little low or maybe around market value. But over thirty million dollars a year is still super rare right now. Most guys are not making that. So yeah. Oh well, strange times. Um, what else? What else you want to talk about? Yeah, we had another trade that happened that I found a little bit bizarre. The Twins acquire Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan from the Padres for Taylor Rogers and Brent Rooker. Um, I found this really weird. I know Emilio Pagan didn't have a great year last year. I think he's a very talented relief pitcher, and I think you you know we've talked about several times already this year the 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 variability between or around relief pitchers. So for the Twins to essentially trade Chris Paddock for Brent Rooker, and you get Taylor Rogers back, who was I think you could say right now is a better reliever than Emilio Pagan. But kind of looking at the trade through that lens, I find it very bizarre because there's you know like Paddock is still Paddock, and I know he needs a third pitch, um, and he he just needs to develop out a little bit more. But it's kind of like the Padres just saying you know what? We can't do pitcher development. We're going to go kind of overpay for a, uh, a relief ace or somebody who hopefully remains a relief ace for them. I just thought it was kind of a bizarre move. I think it's a really good deal for the twins, especially like what's the worst case scenario. You put paddock in the bullpen and have them, you know, be lights out for an inning at a time. I, like I just find it kind of bizarre and you now the Padres yeah. are weird. Yeah. I, I was surprised by it as well. Um, it, it kind of felt like one of those, change of scenery things for paddock you know they're like we've tried it it hasn't worked we don't necessarily have a spot in our rotation right now we've bought all these other dudes um so let's get some value from for him you know but it's not like his value is super high even though he has that crazy high pedigree um he's not really been great at the mlb level ever so um you know it's kind of a buy low on paddock for the twins who typically have had success in developing pitching and they're stacking up a bunch of dudes like this. They also signed Chris Archer. So you can see they're like, if we can just hit on one of these former high value, high strikeout guys uh, that we're getting for relatively cheap. I mean, you know, Rodgers and Rooker, you've said they have their value, but they're all, it's not like they're burning down, you know, the, the house either. So um, yeah, interesting deal. Yeah, yeah, just bizarre. It's nice to see. I like both the Rogers brothers are in the same division. Uh, yeah. That's kind of cute. Um, also, they're uh, Colorado boys, so they're from Littleton. So uh, shout out to that. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's kind of weird. 
but we'll see. I, I kind of hope that Paddock like unleashes something because I I've always thought yeah. he was fun to watch. He's got a good personality, kind of you know Southern kid, and uh, I, I just like him. Yeah, I like Paddock as well. Um, all right, let's talk about the Castellini. Oh uh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, so if you don't mind, I'll just read the quote. So uh, it was one of the beat writers asked him, you know, like how how should Reds fans be feeling right now? You know, what 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 are you 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 tore down the team that was a in contention? Blah blah blah. We've been kind of dragging the Castellinis all season so far because I find it to be ridiculous. Anyways, Phil Castellini, who was the son of the owner uh, and he's also the COO of the Reds, said, uh, "Be careful what you ask for." Well, where are you gonna go? Let's start there. Sell the team to who? Castellini said. If you have, if you want to have this debate, if you want to look at what would what you would do to get this team more profitable, make more money, compete in the current economic system that this game exists in, it would be to pick up and move somewhere else. This is the CEO, the son of the owners, saying, "You know what, Reds fans, sit on it." We're going to do what we're going to do and you're going to come back either way and you're lucky to have us. And I'm just like, the, the thing that drives me a little bit crazy about this is that unfortunately he's probably right. Like the Reds have been there for over a hundred years. It's in Cincinnati's blood, you know, they're Reds fans. And unfortunately they have an ownership group who just has no respect for that, for, for the fan base. And I like, we talk about this, like it really just, when they, when the owners or this group of people says the quiet part out loud, it's not like we're shocked by this. It's not like it's, oh my God, yeah. I can't believe the Castellinis are thinking this way, but it's more just a slap in the face to baseball fans. And it makes me feel for Reds fans. And I'll, I'll just continue my campaign. If for some reason you're a Reds fan, and you're listening to this episode of a Cardinals podcast, go be a Mariners fan this year. Yeah. Go be any other well, fan, hop on the Cardinals bandwagon, but don't yeah. don't give these people your money. I, I just think that that's so disrespectful, and I I don't know. It just it kind of just it really rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> it's re- really all yeah. I have to say about it. Well, it, it's that mindset that carried through the entire lockout. It's the reason the lockout happened. It's uh, the owners viewing sports ownership as purely a profit driving entity. And there is no concern about the on-field product. It is simply um, the value that they get back on the money that they've put into their team. Right. Uh, and there must be some internal calculation that they have found that winning, spending the money to win, still does not return on their investment enough to make that investment worth it. Uh, and it is a fundamental flaw in the system of sports franchises. Every league deals with it. We hear about it more from baseball for whatever reason, um, but every league deals with it. And um, I don't know what the solution is from a systemic standpoint other than uh, some... I don't know, maybe some ability to turn like sports franchises, like a league into a nonprofit or something like that. That is board member owned or um, like, I don't know, like what the Packers do, but across the entire organization, Um, you know, we we give the 
these sports franchises so much, so many tax breaks, so much tax money, uh, so much of it. They get all these non-compete um, elements from the government. Um, I don't know. It, it seems like there should be some ability to um, ensure that the people who are in charge of the decision making for these organizations are uh, incentivized or required to care about their team succeeding because it's clear the with what uh Kesselini said they truly do not care if the reds are good or not um if they did no he he you know, he said you're lucky we're here is what he said yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, it I just I, I find it gross i hate it um and, and like the the fact that they're using like emotional leverage to kind of twist the fans like that just is it's just bullshit it yeah. So sorry, Reds fans out there. I'm sorry you guys got to deal with this. Like I said, go watch the Mariners. You watch Winker and and Suarez hit, and they got some some young fun guys. Maybe you know yeah, pass your hand over also, there this year. It was the Mariners who last off season went through all the shit because their uh, owner was like, "Yeah, we're gonna uh, exploit hit that guy's yeah. <laughs> uh, service time." Of yes. course we are. All We've of these front offices value. are bad. Yeah. Yeah. All, they're all yeah, bad. I mean, some are less bad, I guess. Bill DeWitt is the maybe the primary reason we have Rob Manfred. Right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, bullshit all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Cohen, a criminal, might be the mm-hmm. best owner because he at least cares about uh, his team. He, he clearly wants to win. And, and, and I'll even caveat you know, that with for now. We'll see what happens. Like, I'm yeah. not, I don't trust these guys. Like, we'll, we'll see yeah. what happens in New York. Yeah. All right. Take off my Let's, rant, yeah, my rant right. pants here. And I'll, I'll um, hit you with some, some really good news. Some, something I was excited about last night. Shout out for Alyssa N- Nakin, uh, who was the first female first yes. base coach of all time. Um, so yes. shout out Love to her. Uh, she did an awesome post game interview just talking about, you know, Hey, it's just great to be that, you know, or great that, uh, the Padres and the giants and everybody's supporting me, but kind of amazing. Like we're, you know, I, I feel like this is something we're going to be talking about really, hopefully more and more often where these kind of barriers are just going to get broke down, you know, once a month, you know, once a yeah. half a season or something like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It took too long, but it, uh, doesn't mean we can't celebrate that it has happened. Um, you know, fantastic. Um, yeah, absolutely. Want want to see more diversity of all types across the league. Yeah, and then uh, uh, other than that, I think the only other thing that's uh popping off around the league and and something that I just find endlessly entertaining, uh this podcast is officially on Stephen uh Quan watch. He is yet <laughs> to swing and miss at a pitch. Uh what I just sanity. I, I this might not be true by the time this episode comes out, but he has not swung and missed at a pitch all season so far. And I was curious about this, looking at his, uh, his, uh, whiff percentage from, uh, in double a and triple a last year, he was running a 2.6% swing and miss that is across the board. This kid has got insane skill. It's one very, very, uh, one very, very good skill. Um, but anyways, if you're not paying attention to that, I I encourage you to hop on the Steven Kwan bad bandwagon. And at some point, Twitter is going to explode when he finally swings and misses, but how exciting. I love it. I've always thought it would be interesting and maybe this happens and just no one has been as success as successful at it as, as like, I'd love to see, but like, what if someone went up there with these crazy contact skills and they're like, 
I'm just going to try to make this guy throw 20 pitches in my at bat and just go up there to foul off everything, like purposefully trying to foul off just to run someone's pitch. (laughs) Uh, Like see how many pitches you can take in an at bat. You're not even trying to get on base, you know, poking ball. Like it's a ball and you're still poking it out, uh, you know, foul just to keep the at bat going. I think Steven Kwan might be the right guy to, uh, to do that. I think so. I mean, we've seen Yanni get into modes like that. I, I would like to see Stephen Kwan have just really set his mind to it and and dig his heels in and make it work. I'm going to get to 30 pitches in this at bat. I'm going to make yeah. this starter <laughs> blow like two innings of effectiveness because of yeah. my one at bat. I'm going to stand uh, here until his arm falls off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I love these little pop-up stories. He had a little bit of hype coming into the season uh, for exactly this skill, but no one saw this type of outcome I, it's been a ton of fun it will stop at some point but um you know and what kind of season he'll have we'll see um but uh it's still fun it's it and especially for a team like the guardians where you know what do they have going for them right now yeah. and uh and so hey, their yeah. offense is clicking at this very moment we'll see i mean jose ramirez is still one of the best players in baseball and yeah. if shane beaver bounces back like you know they could be not bad <laughs> Yeah, well, I'd say they'll they'll be good, but they could be not bad. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess that's everything we have for uh, our 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 news and notes of the league section. So we're gonna round out our our episode here. Uh, we're going back to an old classic, Ben. One of our favorite games. Who is this guy? All right. Who is this guy? <laughs> I feel good. I feel good. I, I, I've okay. been waiting for this moment. Yeah. Um, so if you've not heard this before, we did this in our first two episodes, and then we've been doing other even more stupid games than this one. Uh, I have a series of facts about a player who has at one point been a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes. I'm going to list a fact, and then men will have the opportunity to guess what player I'm talking about. The the further I get along the facts, the more and more obvious it should become who this player is. Uh, so the last rounds we've done, um, we did uh, Colby Rasmus and Raphael for call. Uh, so I've got another one here for you, Ben. Are you ready? Yeah, of course I'm ready. I'm good at this game. And now I'm talking, you're going to, it's going to be really difficult this time, isn't it? We'll see. Yeah. Uh, David X player. Oh, okay. damn it. <laughs> that, that'd be so funny. Uh, I, uh, no, <laughs> I just need, I need 10 minutes to check my facts. Hold on. <laughs> uh, don't ever do that again. Cause you might get it one day and then yeah, I won't do that. Ruin our... <laughs> okay. This player was born on June 5th, 1967 okay. in Los Angeles, California. And he debuted in April of 1990. Debuted for 1990. Born in Southern California in the 60s. I'm trying to do the math here. Um, I, I uh, born 1990. I'm like, I'm I'm so bad with numbers. I think that this person actually may have debuted in the 80s. But now, is this I a Cardinal he... debut or is it MLB debut? He, Did his, you MLB, his MLB debut was in 1990. Was in 1990. Okay. 
All right. I don't feel confident about this at all, but I got to say something. I'm going to say Mark McGuire. No. Okay. Incorrect. Damn it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Bash Brothers with McGuire and Consego. It's in the like 80s, the right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So wrong. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Okay. So Southern California debuted in the 90s. All right. All right. I'm going to list off some of his accomplishments. Yeah. Uh, some These are moments in which he led the league in something. Okay. Okay. In 1991, he led the NL in triples and center field errors. In 1992, he led the NL in strikeouts with 147. A little bit about where the game is now compared to yeah, no kidding. Uh, to then. Uh, he led the league in caught stealing 24 times. And he oh. also led the league in center field putouts with 438. And he also led the NL in errors in center field errors in 1997. And he was an all-star one time in 1997. Hmm, okay. That, so I, I'll just say I was going to guess Willie McGee, but I'm 99.9% sure that he has been an all-star more times than that. Cause I know he at least won an MVP and, I don't think he had the, the only reason I was thinking that is because he had so many chances in center field that maybe he was th- therefore making errors. And I know he ran quite a bit, but now I'm trying to think who was a oft caught stealing Cardinals center fielder. So that's a really weird set of, uh, <laughs> of, of attributes or whatever. Um, hmm. That is really tough. I, I, I while, while you're, I will point out Willie McGee made his debut in 1982. He was a big okay. part of those 80s Cardinals. So yeah, uh, again, way been, off. Yeah. Huh. This is really tough. I hmm. I, I don't really have a good guess. Uh, I, I can't, oh man. I'm just gonna throw out Reggie Sanders with you know no confidence whatsoever. No. Yeah. Wrong. Uh, I need like a buzzer, like a uh, or something. <laughs> this one's tough. I told you I was going to make it a little more difficult for yeah, you. You did a good job so far. All right. He was the Cardinals third round pick in the 1987 draft, and he spent the vast majority of his career with the St. Louis Cardinals uh, with only a small stop with the Padres at the end of his career. Only a small stop with the Padres at the end of his career. Ne- hmm. Nearly a Cardinals lifer. Nearly a Cardinals lifer. That should make it easier for me, shouldn't it? This this is the part where the hints are getting easier. Okay. Um, There's somebody in the... At least some listeners are, are starting to yeah. scream at this point, I think. Okay, but, I'm going to go, and again, I, I, I apologize to uh, people who expect more of me. I'm going to guess Ray Lankford. There you go. You got hey, it with Ray Lankford. There right. we go. Yeah. Very, oh, my you know. goodness. That that was purely just Ray Lankford came down and whispered that to me. I, I was <laughs> trying to figure who was in that era, who was around for a while. And I think I remember that he played for the Padres for a second, uh, and that is yeah. the only reason I got that. So, woof. I mean, one of the biggest 
uh, you know, probably top five Cardinal from the nineties. So I was a little worried that you were just going to start guessing nineties Cardinals, like on that first one. Yeah. uh, And just get it by just guessing a a big time nineties Cardinal. So, uh, (laughs) here are the, here were the, uh, the remaining hints. He is the only Cardinal to ever have 200 home runs and 200 stolen bases as a Cardinal. Uh, he is also fifth on the all-time Cardinal home run list and fifth on the all-time walks list. Wow. Uh, he is a member of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. That's part of what inspired this. I saw him on uh, Thursday. Uh, and finally, if somehow you were still struggling, my last hint was, he has the same first name as my dad. <laughs> I would have gotten that one. <laughs> I assume. I, think. I assumed you would have. Yeah. I think, man, I need to so, go eat some ginkgo biloba or something like that. I felt, I felt <laughs> like I did very, very, a very bad job there. I mean, you still got it after three. I got and, it. And I, got I, I was, it. I thought the, uh, like for as well regarded a Cardinal and, and rightfully so, I mean, you know, over 200 home runs, over 200 stolen bases, dynamic player for the Cardinals. Yeah. His actual like league wide accomplishments are pretty low, and most of those were not good. It was leading the league in caught stealing, leading the league in errors, you know, um, leading the league in strikeouts. I'm shocked he only made an all star team once. Yeah, late in his career, too, 1997. Yeah, Yeah, very surprising. Yeah. Well, shout out Ray. Yeah, I agree. Ray Langford, underrated player. Very, very good. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I mean, outside of Smith. And then, you know, Maguire, um, you, it's hard to go much further than that before you start thinking of Ray Langford as, yeah. uh, you know, one of the best Cardinals of the nineties. So, uh, I was a big fan of him as a kid. Uh, okay. So, uh, thanks Ben. That, I think that was the furthest we've gotten. you you've been getting it in two or three every time. Yeah. Well, I'll tell um, you that that one just emotionally didn't feel right. I, I, I purely guess. Usually I feel like I've, I can follow a, a path a little bit better than that. Yeah. that. That was just luck. So I don't feel good about that one, but it is nice to win without being told that final <laughs> clue. So I'll take that. And can, well, I have a little bit of pride I, left over. I think. I think for us too, like the first two I did were both members of the 2011 world series champion Cardinals. And it's like that yeah. team is like, burned into our memories and 100%. the further back you go it just gets more difficult to like pull these names out of nowhere um at, even as big of a player as ray Langford was i almost went like deep cut 90s guy and i was like no i got it like i don't think like i'll tell you who i was gonna do and i i truly don't know if you would have ever gotten him it was ron gant uh for some I, reason i would have got ron gant i think actually because i think so uh just because as a little child, I liked saying his name a lot. So it's a I fun have name. Him. It stuck with he, me too. Ron Gant. Yeah. Ron Gant is okay. in the front of my mind for a weird reason, but uh, <laughs> purely because I was a kid who, who just got like in a loop saying Ron Gant, Ron Gant, <laughs> a little weirdo, but it was a weird. Yeah. We'd be like, all right, Ben, it's Thanksgiving. And he's just Ron Gant, Ron Gant, Ron, Ron Gant. Gant. <laughs> <laughs> who the hell is Ron Gant? Um, that was just obscure member of our family being mad at you saying Rod Gant. <laughs> okay. What a good well, note to anyway, on. yeah, <laughs> on that, um, thank you everyone for listening. As always, we appreciate your, uh, your time and your support. 
Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Um, yeah, I don't care who you tell. Tell somebody. Tell tell someone. Um, and we're so excited baseball is back. We will be back same time next week with another episode. And until then, go Cardinals. Let's go. baloney you know i chonk on that baloney bro <laughs> yeah that that was a lie ben fully gorged himself <laughs> keep ben my motherfucking name <laughs> out ben, ben consumed too much dairy <laughs> no, that's real talk <laughs> i got the rumblies <laughs> all right i've done my vocal warm-ups Time to go.